0: team every topic everywhere this is believe the latest game odds spreads in totals from the nfl and college football at your fingertips with Better lines real-time updates on statistics news and odds head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action remember to use our promo code b-l-e-a to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet in line, where the game starts. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network. Into January now, just getting ready to head into the month of February. Coach is still out on the road recruiting as they are finishing up some of the work here in the 23 class, uh, 23 class, but we're 24 class, excuse me, but working more so on the 25s and 26s. And it's been busy, not only for the Indiana Hoosiers and coach Signetti, but all the coaches out and about on the recruiting trail. And uh, before we get started, and I want to thank bet online for their sponsorship. Remember now with all the games, all the football games are now down to one with the Super Bowl coming up as well. As the NBA, college basketball, NHL hockey. Bet Online is your number one source for all things sports wagering. The up to minute odds, statistics, and data you need to make a smart wager is all found on Bet Online, be it on your mobile device or desktop. Remember, Bet Online is where the game starts. Well, tonight I want to bring on a special guest for me, uh, a young man that started with me back in 2009 after he had a stellar career at my alma mater, Ball State University, where I also coached for eight years. He was a phenomenal um, linebacker for the Cardinals back in the day. Uh, We'll get his actual dates of years because I think his last year was 2008, but well, that let Brian Haynes, the new defensive coordinator for the Indiana Hoosiers, a little bit different than making about, oh, $6,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. Time, times
1: have changed a little bit. Huh?
0: Well, I, we were talking before you came on about where, you know, you're staying in a very, uh, I would call it a uh, budget-friendly hotel chain. Not, not that Marriott's cheap or anything, but it you kind of stick with what you've known when you're on the road recruiting. It's kind of right there on your fingertips on your phone or on a, a laptop or something where you say, Where am I staying tonight? You just pop up, you know, what you're comfortable with. And now now that you're in the Big Ten, you know, you don't have to worry about the budget as much, Brian. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Coach, I, I speak with
1: what I know, man. I like <laughs> so, um,
0: now, uh, a, little, a
1: little Marriott Hotel is fine by me. That's
0: right. Now, what years were you at Ball State? Because I get that confused a little bit. Was your last year 08? It was. Yeah, you nailed it. My last
1: season was 08. And then that spring I graduated in 09. And then um, I linked up with you, I think, that June. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was I was 0, 04 04 to 08 for my years at Ball State.
0: Now, 08 now was that the championship year for you guys or no?
1: It, well, it was. I mean, that was the year that we were 12-0. Uh, and 0. We were
0: That's right.
1: Ranked, went into the, the championship game against Buffalo and, uh, and actually ended up losing that game. Uh, but that was Coach Hoke's last year at Ball State as well.
0: Right, right, right. Well, the other funny, you say Buffalo, now Pete Limbo, who came in after Brady Hoke left, is now the new head coach at Buffalo. And uh, he ended up taking from Ball State. A defensive line coach, and I can't think of his name right now, but he played for Pete at 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 Ball State, and uh, that's one of the unique things that we have from being a Ball State alum. We got quite a few guys that that have gone in or at coached at some time uh, in the college ranks over different levels. Um, so there's quite a bit of a pretty good coaching tree uh, that we're assembling from Ball State.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, actually, matter of fact, I just saw that um, Coach Kyle Hoke um, left San Diego State. I think he got on at Texas A&M. So, to your point, I mean, yeah. at all levels, whether it be SEC yeah. or Alabama, and
0: And Joey, Joey Lynch just got hired. Down at Texas A&M, and he's a Ball State guy, Bill Lynch's son, who I worked for for a number of years there. So we got we got Cardinals everywhere, but we're going to talk about Hoosiers now because that's the brand you represent. And the unique thing is, is you uh, were you grad assistant at Indiana in what was that 2012? Yeah,
1: th- that was. It was 2012, um, and that was uh, so. I did one year with you. Uh, I did two years at another Division three school, and then in mm-hmm. 2012, I joined the um, the staff with Kevin Wilson, Kevin yeah. Johns. Um, matter of fact, helped me get on Mike Eckler, Doug Mallory. So great staff in in 2012. That was my first
0: stand right. in Wellington. Well, and I think when we talked when you were with me, I thought I thought I think I remember telling. Usually, so I used to tell all the young guys, if you can get to places to learn something that you're not accustomed to the you're going to be better for it. And I think that's what you've done. You, you, like you said, you were with me for one, I didn't drive you out. So that was, that's the positive. Um, You spent another year at a different D3 institution, pretty acclaimed. That was up at Adrian. Then you went back to being a GA, right? Right. You and man, you had, like you said, you had a plethora of really good coaches there. Like you said, I mean, you had some top notch guys to learn from.
1: Yeah, definitely. I and I'm, I felt I felt so blessed. Like I had that all along the way, starting starting with you, you know, learning from you at Manchester w- w- was beneficial to me. And I remember that being part of our first conversation, the very first time we talked about, you know, the job and the opportunity you mentioned, like, like go somewhere new, go somewhere, challenge yourself, learn from new people. I've been so fortunate along the way to learn from from great people. Uh, football coaches. And that, that first stint in Bloomington was definitely that way. Doug Mallory was the defensive coordinator. Mike Eckler, the linebacker's coach. Um, uh, we had Mark Hagan as the tackles coach. John Fabric right. was there, who had SEC experience. He did a really nice job. Brandon Shelby, a young corners coach I learned a lot from. And then he stayed at IU for, for a long time. So that was a good staff. Not only that, but um, one of the guys I might have learned the most from was my fellow GA. Uh, his name was Chris Shula. He's currently uh, the pass game coordinator for the uh, for the uh, Rams. So, I mean, That's we right. have a great staff.
0: I forgot about Chris. Yeah, he's a great I, coach. I, and he's been with the Rams now for a, quite a few years, hasn't he? Or did he just get there?
1: No, he's been there for, I'm going to say, five or six. He was with the Chargers before that. I actually right. uh, flew down to a little professional development with him when he was in San Diego.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the unique thing about, like I said, you're, you know, you're building that branch of people that you get to know from, and it pays big dividends for you down the right, kind of down the road. And you just don't know when uh, something will transpire from meeting somebody that you, you come across in that regard. Now, high school, where do you, I can't remember you go to high school, you went to
1: I went to Pickwell High School. It's Pickwell. about 20 yeah. miles north of Dayton. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I had a you great were-
1: coach there too? I got I got a name drop on one more. My high yeah. school football coach was really a, a huge inspiration for me. Um, I, I fell in love with the game of football through Bill Neese. That was my high school football yeah. coach Pickwell, and he's a Hall of Fame coach uh, in the state of Ohio. And um, as much as I learned from everybody along the way, it all started with 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 yeah. and his passion for the sport. Um, that was a, a huge inspiration for me, no question.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, Pick was a good, solid program. And like I said, you, after that, went to Ball State. And kind of what got you in, you know, what was in your mind about, man, I want to coach? Or, or, you know, what do I need to do? I mean, kind of that, t- talk me through what that felt. From your perspective, right? You're done playing. You're not going to have that NFL career, maybe. And now you're thinking, "Oh man, what do I do now?" <laughs> right. I,
1: I'll be honest with you. I, it was probably it was probably in me all along, just because I was so passionate about the sport. Um, I don't think it really clicked until um, you know made my my first back surgery. So my first back surgery. My back surgeries ultimately led to the end of my career because I was right. a football player. And I was a freshman All American. Um, I had a you know a 125 Plus tackle season, uh, Yes, yeah. there was a chance to play at that that final stage, and I was excited about that. Some of the injuries um, took a toll on me. After that first back surgery, I started to think to myself, okay, what what's the exit ramp? You know, because yeah. I, I'm not willing to say goodbye to football. That would not have been um, that would not have been okay. the answer. Um, so I, I think at that point, what I did is I went back to my father. And uh, one of the last things he said to me in terms of, you know, giving me advice about work and so forth was just find a job where you feel like you're not working. Never work <laughs> a day in your life. That's right? right. That's right. And so that's when it all came together, man. Through the back surgeries and realizing I'm not able mentally and physically to give up, give the game up. The, the coaching, coaching's the avenue. And um, my dad was running the money. I, I've uh, I've never worked a day in my life. So I'm That's so right.
0: Grateful. That's right, you get paid to do what you love to do, and you don't feel like you're getting a chance to work at anything you're just playing playing the game still even though you're well outside the white lines It's like you get the best seat in the house on Saturdays because you you get to watch it from a close perspective but i I relate with that <clears throat> commentary because you know that was what I was thinking all along when I left. I'm just like And what do I need to do? And, uh, and your path in that, in that reason, and, you know, kind of led to your path because your path wasn't easy. I'm not, you didn't get to Indiana with the proverbial golden spoon in your mouth, you know, as far as coaching is concerned, your, your road that you took, your journey was unique, because not only did you work at a couple D three schools, but you actually took a big gamble and went out to Cal. What was when, when you were at Cal State or where it were was, you at? It was Cal Davis. Cal yeah. Davis. Mm-hmm. Oh well, wow. here we're getting phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> You're a popular man, coach. I'm a popular. Yeah, it always happens. So you went to Cal Davis. Now when and that's that was a one double A program, right?
1: Yeah, it was an FCS program at the time, and they were playing in the the, uh, the Big Sky Conference. And at that time, that conference was really good. I mean, that was when Eastern Washington right was in the Cooper Cup and was really taking off Montana, Montana State. I mean, that that league was was really loaded, uh,
0: and that, that that was a gamble. I mean, I remember are- talking. I remember. I remember talking to you about that because you were kind of like, "What do I do?" Because you were. This was. This was well beyond your Indiana GA ship. Because after that, you went to Ohio State, correct?
1: Yeah, so Indiana and then Ohio State. I did one season um, with uh, Coach Meyer, Coach Fickle, Vrabel, and other staff that just taught me so much. A huge risk coming, coming off of that was I was done being a GA. Like, I, yeah. I needed to get back onto the football field. Being a GA is a great thing, and, and they're very necessary, but coaching's different. I needed mm-hmm. to get back on the field, so I took a huge gamble, and that's where Coach Cignetti and I first linked up. Uh, it was at it was at IUP, so that was a Division That's right. school. Yeah. Okay, and that was in the uh, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference.
0: And here's a guy, and this, and we'll get into Coach Sig and his, you know, a little bit and your relationship. But here's a guy that came from Alabama, you know, perennial top. <laughs> top is all you can get Nick Saban and he goes to show his love for the game of football and there's a connection IUP because his father and things of that magnitude but he went back there you join your brother there for one season and you're right and your brother now at Catawba he's the head Catawba (laughs) it's a tough one I had to, um, I had to yeah, get there,
1: Cataba, um, but you're right. He was there when, when I got on at IUP. So he was already connected with uh, Coach Nettie. Coach coaching had done two seasons um, before I connected with him uh, for his, for his third.
0: And he had a, in, he had a really good successful program there at IUP. I mean, he had brought it back, you know, it was down a little bit, but he kind of started bringing it back to its prominence prominence because that's, that was a big time division two school. You know, back in that, you know, mid 2000s. Right. And I, I love the fact that you mentioned
1: his father, Frank Signetti, because Coach, Co- the, the big guy, we called him the big guy, was the one that, w- that took IUP to yeah. the top, you know, uh, uh, late 80s, 90s. I mean, they were making national title runs. And then they had fallen off for a little bit uh, while, while Coach Signetti uh, was at Alabama, uh, mm-hmm. Sabin. And, and to your point, I think another gamble, right? Coach Signetti was ready to be a head football coach, uh, he bet on himself. And he took that program from what was, you know, struggling a little bit and turn it back into another power. I mean, he's yeah. a great program and it happened quickly too.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just for, you know, you, people wonder why maybe a person like coach Signetti coming from Alabama would go to IUP, IUP. There's only so many head coaching jobs out there in the world of college football. And you know, if the good fortune of the man up above gives you that opportunity that you slide right into great, but some guys have to go and work their way up, you know, in that regard. But so you went to there. Now you were coaching linebackers at the time, weren't you? Or D-line? I was D-line. Yeah. I was a defensive line coach. Okay. So you kept, you kept your, kept your, uh, cans in the D-line this happens all the time, Brian. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> it's all good, brother.
0: I'm going to have to turn my phone off. I'm not that popular. <laughs> um, so now what did you go to? And this is what I like talking about is the salaries that you go to do the love of the game. So what was the salary when you went to I, IUP?
1: Not good. It was not good. It was not a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Um, Yo, and you had uh, the? You, did you live with your brother
1: for a while? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. well, that, that, that yeah, helped. What, they had um, they had a house. They had a house. IUP had a house that was set up for the, these young coaches because it was like seven thousand dollars, something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. Um, so they had a house for us because we couldn't afford anything where we could all stay, and it was really cheap rent. and this house, coach, it was <laughs> tough living, man. It was tough living. There was there was a, a like on the first floor beneath the bathroom. The, the, the ceiling is like caving in. It looked like a big wet spot. Come to find out, after I left IUP like a year or two later, it actually crashed through. I mean, you got a back from falling into the living room. And this is where all these young coaches were staying, man. But like you said, love of the game. And it wasn't about the paycheck. It's never been about the paycheck. It's mm-hmm. about the work. It's about the kids. It's about the relationships. And it's about competing and winning.
0: Right, I took my first job out from Ball State as a GA. Went to uh, Northwood University up in Midland, Michigan, D two school. Worked for Pat Rima, uh, rest his soul, and uh, he gave me my first job making six thousand dollars out of the hopper. Okay, then it bumped up to eighteen, and I was wealthy. Now, when I went to Ball State, now Division One, Ball State. I was making 24,000 a year and a car. So if you add that car into the equation, you're making, you know, close to 30. But I'm not making like 90, 100,000 like some Mac schools are now paying. When I left Ball State, I was making 37,000 when we got fired so, and two kids. So um, we, we do it for the love of the game. You don't think about, Uh, um, that aspect of stuff because it takes care of itself. So, you went from there, then out to California. You took a risk on that one. I I remember we talking about that. I remember you would call me and you know I'm thinking about doing this and. Right, it was, I think I might have been at the
1: convention. Matter of fact, I think that's yeah. when you were still working those conventions. And when I saw you down there, I just I wanted to bounce it off you, you know, just as a guy that I've been with and trust, and I wanted to get your uh, your perspective on it. But um, yeah, it was a little bit of a dangerous uh, gamble, you know. We were doing really well at IUP, um, but I was getting a little bit comfortable. And Coach is the first one to tell you, like, if you start getting comfortable and complacent, you you better mix it up. Um, yeah. so, so that was part of it. Talking with you. I, I mean, I think you were on that same team. Like, dude, you got to take a chance in this profession. Like even if things go south. And the issue was that that staff had been there for like three years mm-hmm. and they just hadn't taken off. And usually that three to four year watermark is kind of make or break. So I, mm-hmm. I think maybe I told you, like, coach, I might go out there. We can't get it done. And where am I at then? And you said, Man, you got to take risks. You got to take chances, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. You know, I, I went out there and I learned a lot. I was with uh, Dave Braun, Burt Watts, another just another staff. I'm so thankful for. Um, you know, with with Coach Watts is now with the uh, Carolina Panthers and uh, Dave Braun's the football coach at Northwestern. Um, good guys, great defensive minds. We had a lot of fun in there. We didn't get enough wins, and ultimately um, had to make a move.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's part of the game. I mean, it's part of the game. Unfortunately, um, but that's when you kind of. And then you made your way back to Coach Sig. And then when you went back the second time, were you were you coordinating any at that time for him at IUP or no? No.
1: At that point, um, I was just the linebackers coach. Uh he had hired Tony Trisciani, who's now the head football coach at Elon University. Uh Tony was coming in from Villanova. At that time, um, that Villanova defense had three three yeah. stack had and some of the blitz angles they had of that was uh was really taking taking that side of um the conference by storm. So he brought uh, coach Trish on and I was just grateful to, to still have a job and be a linebackers coach. Um,
0: And then coach, uh, coach
1: Nettie again, you know? Yeah.
0: And then coach Signetti gets the chance to go and take the Elon job. Right. And what was your feeling when, you know, he dabbed you on the shoulder and said, Hey, you want to come? What was, what was, I mean, the one thing I respect looking at coach Sig's background and, staff he's taking guys with him you know some guys get a job and next thing you know you know they're out looking for something different and that's the one thing i respect of coach sig that he's taking guys with him but what's that feeling like because when you that happens there's that pit in your stomach a little bit because you don't know what's going to happen right yeah
1: yeah those are always hard Now, now that one in particular uh, I mean, that, that was like, that was a true blessing. You know, I, I just got fired from UC Davis. So here I am, I'm, I'm in Sacramento um, with no money, um, an old beat up 2003 Pontiac Grand Prix. And Coach Kennedy <laughs> calls me and says, hey, drive back across the country, it, it, get into North Carolina and come to this spot called Elon. I got a spot for you. And I said, coach, I don't know if I can get there. I don't know if I can physically get there. Well, Coach Pace sees that as like, oh, you're oh, you're probably trying to get a different job, aren't you? I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm, I I want to get there. Let me get there. Ended up working out, but man, getting that call was a blessing. Yeah. I to back with Coach anyway, but um I didn't want to leave the game and you know how it feels when you're with one of those staffs that does get let go. It's like, gosh, I'm just I'm hoping for any opportunity at all.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I know that feeling. And it's not, a, and it. and again, there's, we have respect for those guys that go through that every year. There's that time period where something happens. You don't get enough W's and next thing you know, you're out and, <laughs> and it's unfortunate, but you know, like you said, you're hoping and wishing for that to happen, but here's a guy that had had you before. Got a new job, and he must have liked what you shown him because he gave you a call and a job at Elon. Now, when you went to Elon, same thing, linebackers there too. Linebackers, yep. Okay, that
1: was that was uh, with with Coach Triciani as the DC. So that's how okay. that, like, that
0: that's right. Okay. Now, how long were you guys at Elon?
1: We did two two years at Elon
0: few years. I know. And you were in and Elon was in the same conference as JMU at the time. Correct. Or correct. No? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We sure were we played each other both years. Matter of fact, when we were the
0: right. Line. Right. And this is prior to JMU making the jump if the right to a D one status type of deal. Right.
1: Not yet. Um, when I was at Elon, um, what's that name of that
0: conference? Uh, um, Big yeah. South. Was it the Big South?
1: No, no it wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't. It was, uh, gosh, because they, they, I think they added some new teams to it. So it's kind of changed. CAA. I'm sorry. Yes, CAA. CAA. Yeah. The Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA. So JMU was was in the CAA. Um, obviously, Elon was too, so we played in both years. After that, we went to JMU. JMU was still in that league. So we right. did three years in the CAA still before making the big move.
0: Because you guys made some runs in the 1AA playoffs, right? Right, yeah,
1: yeah. All three years, we, we, I mean, we were a factor all three years. Uh, right, first year in nineteen, uh, made it to the final game, championship game against North Dakota State. Uh that's Lost right. by like four, uh, I want to say six points, maybe. Um, then had a chance to win it. The, the the second season twenty was the COVID year, so that was in the spring. It was kind of a contest. Right. Yeah, playoff.
0: yeah, that's right
1: gosh, we flew out to Sam Houston State and we are kicking their tail, coach. I mean, I think at halftime, we might have been up like 28, like four scores or something like that. Ended up losing by a field goal. Um, tough break there. They they went on to to win the title that year. And then uh, year three, ran in North Dakota State again, Fargo Dome, <laughs> um, semi-final game. And and they got us again. In, in, uh, yeah. the
0: dome. That's a tough place to go win at, I'll tell you that much. That's, that's now, when you at JMU, were you co-defensive coordinator your first year there, or was that your second year, and then you elevated to D.C. your third year?
1: I was co-D.C. Uh, with, with Corey Heatherman being the defensive coordinator. Corey just got hired on over at uh, over in Minnesota with uh, Coach PJ Fleck, so he's the D.C. there mm-hmm. now, so looking forward to going against him, but a uh, good friend of mine. He was a defensive coordinator those first three years. I was a co-defensive coordinator and, and coach in the linebackers.
0: Okay, and then you you got your first time being that that guy, the DC, your third year at JMU. Now, tell me about that because that's a monumental moment in your coaching career. Now you've ascended to what you're trying to do. You're trying to elevate yourself to the point where be a coordinator you know, run your show, run your defense and things, but talk about that moment that, you know, you get elevated to being DC for JMU. Yeah. There
1: was a lot of emotions with that one. Um, I was excited. It's, it's what I've worked towards. You know, I felt like I was ready for it. I felt like mm-hmm. I was ready. Um, um, I was grateful. I was grateful, you know, well, sure. yeah, it's, 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 coaching that he trusted me again. It's saying, you know, you got the keys to the car now. Um, but I mean, there's challenges that come with that too. So was I stressed? Was I nervous? Absolutely. All those things, but it was my time. So um, when you get those opportunities, you say yes and you, uh, you move forward. And that's what we yep. did. Had a great staff, um, took some of the things that coach Heatherman did, added some things, took away some things, changed a few things. Keep in mind, this is, this is me becoming a coordinator as we're making the move up. I wasn't a, right. I didn't get to be a coordinator against FCS opponents, you know, right. we didn't get a run through everybody. This was high level competition. This is, 50 week in, week out, you know, yeah. offensive uh, opponents.
0: Yeah. And this is the Sun Belt, correct? Is that the Sun? Were you in the Sun Belt at that time?
1: We were. And, and the thing about it, Coach, I know you know this, but some of the listeners might not, is we didn't do a tra- tra- transitional year. Like this wasn't like half halfway in, halfway out, half yeah. FCS happened. Right. Full bore ahead, all FBS opponents directly into the Sun Belt, which, as you know, is a, is a great conference.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a mid-American type of league, you know, in that regard. It's that, you know, mid what they call mid-majors nowadays in some respects. But like you said, you know, you've got a lot of good football talent in that in that conference coaches and stuff. But, you know, first game for you as the D.C., where was that game at? Was it at home? Was it on the road? What was that like? It was a home game at night against Middle Tennessee State,
1: who was oh, wow. a nice bowl win. Yeah. Um, had a lot of their offense coming back. They were a very explosive offense, uh, very, very spread, very up-tempo. Uh, they had hired a new offensive coordinator. Um, so there were a lot of unknowns going to that game. But uh, I remember the stadium was rocking. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> that Saturday night uh, at Bridgeport Stadium. It was a great first experience uh, to, to call the defense.
0: Yeah, and you and JMU's got a great experience. They're getting, you know, that – you know, for that mid-major level type of experience, they got a nice stadium, very supportive community behind it. So, like you said, you get student involvement and all that. So that that was last year, last season. Now, did Coach Sig fire you at any time on the sideline or <laughs> during a
1: uh, <the> game? <laughs> he, he might fire me for a player too, but usually he rehires me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you, you always get the ire of the head coach if something goes wrong, one way or the other. He's looking for somebody. But now you have success at JMU. You kind of capture the the limelight of college football that it ultimately has college game day coming coming to the campus and stuff. You're undefeated. Uh, you're fighting now for an appeal to get into a potential bowl out there, and the NCA's blocked you like twice, and and uh, you know, fast forward, you know, it, it it didn't work out in terms of that Cinderella undefeated year, but you did accomplish the fact the NCA basically relented and let JMU go to a bowl, which was much deserved.
1: Yeah, they they never relented. Matter of fact, they never did. The only reason JMU got into a bowl is because there weren't enough bowl eligible teams outside of JMU to make it and and, and you know fill all the spots. So yeah. they never relented. They never broke, um, uh, you know, their, their their line of messaging on that. So so they were going to try to prevent us from going to a bowl game. Uh, not enough bowl eligible teams, and, and so because of that, JMU did get to yes. Armed Forces Bowl, which was great.
0: So now. You know, Coach Ziggs had a, you know, a pretty really good run from Elon now to JMU. You know, he's kept the train really moving down the tracks, uh, capturing that lightning in the bottle, so to speak, um, with everything. And all of a sudden, the Indiana job comes open. And, you know no one likes to see something happen to a fellow coach at any time. And, but it does happen. Um, were, did you know that coach Zig was involved with that search or did he, you know, Hey, tell me about Indiana. I mean, because you were there, I mean, you, you kind of had the lay of the land, what, what they did have, what they didn't have. I mean, you were at Ohio state. What was the difference? I mean, did he have that conversation with you? at any time.
1: Yeah. There's a chance that behind closed doors that, uh, there, there were some conversations and, um, and, and kind of what you're saying, you know, maybe just him trying to get a feel for, for yeah, just, the university. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, he doesn't have the, the total picture that you may be able to fill him in on about the people that are there. This is a good guy. This guy's, you know, he's a guy who's going to help us win type of deal. Um having been there because there's a lot of same people. I mean, Scott Dolson was there when you were there. Yes.
1: Uh Scott was here. Uh, he wasn't in the role that he that he's in now as the yeah, but he was a big part of things. I remember uh, Scott from my first in absolutely and yeah, some of those conversations took place. And um mm-hmm. you know, obviously we're still at the time we were still trying to win ball games uh in Harrisonburg, Virginia. But um yeah, those conversations took place. He wanted to get a, a scoop of the land.
0: Yeah. And now now he gets the job. And, you know, at some point he kind of came out of nowhere, I guess you could say, Um, but uh, rightfully so in that regard, just based upon his resume and things of that nature and him hitting it off with uh, Scott Dolson, the AD there, um, he gets the job and, and uh, you get, you get that chance to come, you know, it's a, it's a homecoming but at the same time, you're going back as the D.C. at a Big Ten school, a school that you G.A. at under Doug Mallory and all these coaches. I mean, what's going through your mind in that regard?
1: It is, it, a lot of those same emotions that I had the first time. <laughs> you know I mean, it's all those exact same emotions, man. I was excited. Uh are you nervous and stressed about being a Big Ten Divas Sure, a little bit, but that's an opportunity. I, yeah. have, I have faith in myself. Um, I was looking forward to hitting the ground running, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I, I was grateful. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready, and I knew I was ready.
0: Yeah, I know you are. And, and the other thing is this D.C. opportunity, football opportunity, you know, you you finally get, you get to that point of – uh, looking back at that $6,000 salary and the the house that almost falls down <laughs> on you and you look back at that and that's part of your journey, you know, to where you're at now. And those are the moments, like you said, I think you said earlier, those are the moments that you cherish and you relish because of you look back and see who you got to be around to get to where you're at now. Hard work, being around good coaches, getting an idea. How that played a part in you being in the spot you are now—that's the component that I wanted to get to. Why we went on that little roundabout uh, whirlwind of your journey, uh, so to speak. How's it feel now, being back at Indiana, something you're familiar with? At you know, at IU, here's a team that lost, I think, five games, six games, you know, six points or less, I believe. Um, you were there when, you know, Kevin Wilson had some really good teams and, you know, made you know, kind of broke through with some bowl games. What's that feeling like now that you're back at IU? I'm just
1: so grateful. You know, I'm excited. Um, IU can be a winner. IU can be mm-hmm. a winner. IU football will be a winner. Um, I knew that, uh, when Coach asked me that point blank, can you win there? I said, absolutely. You can, absolutely. You can. So, um, I'm just excited, man. I'm thrilled. And, and to your point, you know, it was never uh, about the money. I, I had a friend of mine say to me, you know, when this all happened, like, man, it's like you hit the lottery. And what I said to him was, this isn't the lottery. The lottery is you pull the machine or you hit the button and you you make a bunch of money. Like, this mm-hmm. is not the lottery. This was this was earned. This was food stamps. Oh, this yeah. Was Six thousand dollars. <laughs> Like this was to your word. This was a journey. This was a a fight to get here, and I fought to the nail and um, to see it to to see it all pay off. um, Yeah, absolutely. What I I dreamed for, you know, was what I was 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 shooting for the whole time.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I think I told you I was proud of how how you've gone about and done your, you know, represented yourself through the years. And while I may not have been around you specifically, I always kept an eye on guys that worked for me at some point. And I know that you put a lot of work into where you're at now and and being with Coach Sig. Now, let's talk football. Let's talk the X's and O's of the game. You know, Indiana's defense last year, and, you know, Tom Allen, I think, came in as D.C. after you left, if I'm not mistaken, and went to Ohio State. Is that no. correct?
1: I think there was one more year there, and then that following year, I believe it was um, it was Coach Allen at DC, correct?
0: Yeah. And, you know, he brought a defense and a philosophy there that they vastly improved in in the defensive category with some things. And some of it was, you know, scheme and stuff. Now, when you look at yourself as a defensive coordinator, you know, what what schemes are you? I mean, are you, you know, within a scheme? Are you a little bit of this and a little bit of that? I mean, what does Coach Sig expect from you as the D.C.? Because every head coach is saying, I want you to run this, or <laughs> we're recruiting to run this. What you know? What is he like in that regard?
1: Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, I'm very grateful that, that he he does let me take the ownership of, of that. I will say he has he has things that he likes. Mm-hmm. He likes really good defensive alignment, and he prefers four of them to have their hand on the ground. So more yeah. times than not, uh, I see myself as a four-two-five-four-three mm-hmm. type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're
0: not we're so telling stories you, out him. We're not telling these secrets here. That's college football throughout. There's no everybody's a four two, four three. <laughs> There's something because you gotta start somewhere.
1: Right. Yeah, you gotta start somewhere. And then that's kind of where we started. So we kind of build off of, of that idea. Because what people don't understand is like the idea of a four two five defense versus a three four defense is is not really that different. You're talking about one guy standing up and then two other guys like moving over three inches like yeah right you do a lot of the same things out of a four two five that you can out of a three four and so we've started to build that and and wow. what I like is I like to be inwardly simple with with what we're doing and outwardly complex. So we have a myriad of coverages and a myriad of different fronts and we try to cause chaos and confusion. but really what we're doing from an internal perspective it it's not that complex
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just like offensive football um always said if you had a tight end that you could move around attaching him, unattaching him, spreading him out there's so many things you can get into that really handicaps a defense just because a lot of defense are tied in related in their philosophy but uh, same thing you know trying to carry a little chaos but simplistic inwardly that's you know that's kind of what you want to be because you want guys being able to play at a high rate and you can't, they can't be thinking if you're going to play against Ohio State, Michigan, you know, some of these teams you, you got to be full go and you know let them turn their you know, turn it loose. Oh,
1: absolutely. Now, I'll tell you I tell my players this all the time. The
0: best compliment
1: that I've ever gotten as a defensive coordinator Is man, you guys play fast and they play hard. Mm -hmm. If if I can get my guys to play fast and hard, I'm doing at least something right. Like that's that's a great Mm -hmm. way to start right there. My guys play fast and they play hard. And why do they do that? It's because they're not confused. Because I'm not going to put things on their plate that are confusing and they're going to slow them down. Because, like to your point, I can't have them thinking. I can't have them thinking. I got to I got to have them reacting, playing really fast, and most importantly, attacking.
0: (laughs) You know, Coach Sig sets up in these press conference that just. I mean, I don't know if it stopped me on a dime, but it was like the, the word that you're always looking for in coaching or just anything in life. He says he spends, he spends his day trying to keep complacency out of the equation. You know, he taught, and I'm not sure that was the exact quote, but he talked about complacency and what that, you know, he's trying to defeat complacency daily coaches, players. Pers- you know, staff, whatever, kind of explain his, you know, that philosophy that he has as a head coach that he kind of permeates down to you guys, as assistants. Yeah.
1: Um, well, first of all, he does a really good job of that. Like he has, he has messages that permeate down. It starts at the top and that's, that's part of culture, right? It starts at the top, the messaging, who are we, what are we going to be? It's got to permeate down to the assistants and then into the players, too. So I, I've always thought he does a great job of that. So I've loved working with him for all these years. But to that one, we really ran into complacency, or at least the threat of complacency, at a school like JMU. Mm-hmm. JMU was winning championships and you know winning 10, 11-game seasons in our time there uh, because we were so successful. Both. But what that, what that leads to is a bunch of guys that just assume that it's going to happen. Right. You don't have to put though you don't have to put the work in anymore. Ah, I'll show up on Saturday; it's just going to occur. It'll just show up, and we'll get the win. No, that's not how it works at all. You have to, you know, uh, you have to subscribe to the process—a day-by-day process that leads to success. But it's what you put in every single day that ultimately leads to what shows up on Saturday. So that's what he really hammered into at JMU. And then the quote that I think you're referring to is actually, he, "We want to get back to that point—the the mm-hmm. idea of complacency." is something that is actually earned. When you have enough success, you actually get to a point where you have to fight complacency. Right. We're not even to that point in Bloomington yet. What well, we're, right. we're fighting right now is softness, and that's what he spoke yeah. to. Yeah,
0: exactly. We're looking, we're looking right.
1: to hammer out softness so we can start winning games and get to a point where ultimately we can look back and say, hey, we better start fighting complacency because we're, we're having success.
0: Right, right. And but, but I think that it was so poignant. And, in, in, you know, when he said it, it was like, man, that's the word I've been thinking of for 20 some odd years about when you get to somewhere that the thing you fight the most is being complacent in what you do and you're taking for granted where you're at and, you know, you're not putting the same type of effort into what you need to be doing. And I thought, man, that is so poignant in the game of football when you look at some of these teams that stumble to a team they shouldn't stumble to um, in that regard. Now, recruiting-wise, you guys, um, when you got there now, have you watched some ta- uh, tape of the defense from last year and had a chance to evaluate some guys? Or are your is your mind going in, I'm just going to go evaluations from the day we start spring practice. I'm not really taken anything from there as we go forward
1: no i watched a little bit of of the guys i wasn't looking at it um you know so much from a from a holistic lens i wasn't trying to figure out the schemes and Mm -hmm. uh, what were they running and this and that i mean a little bit but i wanted to see individual players i wanted to see who was who was fighting late in games i Mm want to see who was making plays i want to see who was flashing um, I wanted to get a feel for the guys, you know, yeah. guys coming back and the guys at the time that were in the portal, you know, who's worth fighting to get back and who's, who do we say bon voyage to? So, um, right. we, yeah, we, we, we looked a little bit um, at the same time, you know, we're, we're bringing new talent in. So I think Coach Signetti called it fourth and one for like three weeks straight. And that's kind of how yeah. film, we're getting pulled in a lot of directions. But to your question, I did. I did go back and look at the film. I wanted to see what individuals flashed.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I know some of the, some of those may have been, you know, one year guys because they were portal guys. And I know how that's changed college football in a lot of ways, some good, some bad, but um, so, yeah, you've at least got a a, a sense of what you got at, uh, you know, w- what you got and then you got to, what you got to mold around it. Now, how do you feel about the depth that you have right now defensively? Or, I mean, is you feel comfortable at your depth? even thinking with some of the kids that you're bringing in be it freshmen or whatever do you feel like you know depth wise it, you feeling good about your depth or are you you know oh, i wish we could have this ability <laughs> you know how dcs get they went a little bit more
1: <laughs> yeah you're, you're gonna answer that one for me no i'm not happy with the depth i want more depth because depth to me is just competition it's just more guys fighting for something and then what that does is it, it, raises, it raises the water level for everybody, right? All boats ride there. So, um, yeah, I want, I want more. Uh, I think there's some spots in particular that I would like to get more bodies into to, to push those guys in the front. Um, and, and listen, you know, injuries are, are a real thing. That's just part of the sport. Um, yeah. You want to be aware of that, too. You want to be aware of the fact, like, okay, what is the defense day one? And what all can we survive? Because, because unfortunately, injuries are part of this game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the the unknown variable that you run into. And, and depth, you know, there's two things with depth, like you said, one from a competition standpoint, so you can establish who is your one, two, or threes, but also knowing that you could run into injury problems and you got to have guys ready to go at the drop of the hat. And uh, that goes back to what you were talking about, you know, the defensive component being simplistic inwardly, but complicated outwardly. You know, you got to have guys that understand what you're doing, whether it's the guy that's starting or it's the guy that's two plays away. And that's, you know, that's, that's the part that you're talking about. No doubt. No
1: doubt. And I'll tell you what, like, I'm so excited about the staff too, because the staff understands that they, they they recognize them. You can quickly identify poor coaches uh, across the country, you know? And, and, And to me, what that looks like is, the starter is coached very well. He knows every check and he knows every nuance of, of every mm-hmm. team, offense or defense, what have you. But the backup is clueless. I mean, if the guy goes yeah. down, the backup has no clue what's happening. So don't do that. You have to. You have to have a room, a position group, and then Urban Meyer mm-hmm. calls it power. Your unit, your unit being your position group. Your unit has to understand the defense or the offense, the position, the nuance, the check, uh, the coverage, the spacing, whatever it is. They should all know it because injuries are going to happen. Next guy in, don't miss a beat.
0: Yeah, and that's the part where repetitions become involved because the number two guy may not get as much as number one and the number three may get very, very little. And all of a sudden, he finds him as be, being that next guy, which is two, which is step. count's it's going to go way up um, in that regard. But depth and repetition is all that what would you say and i'm and maybe uh, forgive me if i've already asked this and you've answered it in that regard um i guess what does coach signetti expect from his defense that you you know hey brian it's your it's your show baby but here's what i want it to be Boom, boom, boom! You know, kind of that mentality. You run it. You do what you want to do, but here's my personality that I want to inflect upon the defensive unit. Right. So,
1: the, the, the first three things are that he wants a defense that's fast, physical, and relentless. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to probably hear me say that every single time that we talk, and you um, ask about who who are you guys on the fast? We're going to be very fast. We're going to be very physical. And we're going to play with a motor, you know, we're going to have an unbreakable will about us. Um, we're going to rally to the ball. We're going to swarm. we gonna be very aggressive. He wants to stop the run. It's important to coach. and That's important to yeah. me too. We've <laughs> done that in my two years as a coordinator. Um, my first year as a coordinator, we we're number two defense in the country to stop on the run. Uh, we were one for a long time. And then Georgia went on a tear. Uh, took <laughs> number one spot from us <laughs> in that title game against TCU back in 22. Uh, this past year, we're number one in the country stopping the run by, by a good amount. Um, I hope to continue that trend. We're going to stop the run. We're going to make teams play left-handed. So you're going to have to do things that you're uncomfortable to do to try to beat our defenses. Um, so stop the run, fast, physical. He likes aggression. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, he, he hired me as a DC, and I'm aggressive. I blitz a lot. <laughs> I play quarterbacks. I want to put offenses behind the sticks. I believe that you yeah. can win football games on defense by creating explosives in the same way that an offense tries mm-hmm. to create explosives. Offenses have max protection shots where guys run the quadruple move down the field. Why can't I bring a 25 man pressure? I'm kidding. I only get 11, but I'll bring them all. If I have to, I'll bring them all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. You know, it's, you know, the, the, chunk plays or however you wanted to put it on defense is like you said, playing behind the sticks, you know, your odds of going up of getting off the field in three downs, if you can keep them at three third and eight or more and you, you know, your odds are in your favor. But if you're, if you're giving up chunk plays on first and second down and it's third and three or less, you're battling against the, the, the percentages that you're going to get off the field. And that's the one thing that, you know, um, I can appreciate from coach Signetti because sometimes DCs, they get to run the show, but they, they may, you know, a head coach may not communicate what he wants. You know what I mean? And at least he's, you know, and I'm sure he's, a you're accountable to that. I mean, that's, that's his measurement right there. You gave his measurement and you're accountable for those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's other things too. You know, there's, there's game
1: management, that uh, there's a uh, bend, don't break, which means mm-hmm. holding a field goal, you know, be, be successful in the red area. Uh, he's huge on third down percentage. I mean, to to the point you were just making, like at the end of the day, this is still a game of metrics. It's about it's about numbers. It's mm-hmm. third and three is different than third and eleven. You know, you're playing percentage odds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean analytics holding the field goals, be great on third down. We need turnovers, so you have to damage the quarterback you know, this is a former quarterback. Like once you get hit, I'm not, I'm not talking about like touch. I'm talking about like, if you get hit mm-hmm. change, like the clock speeds up a little bit. I've talked you into maybe an error on that next blitz that I bring. So mm-hmm. um, all of those things tie in, but um, those are kind of the, the, the floorboards of what coach Cincinnati believes in.
0: Okay. We're going to let's, we're going to wrap this up because I know that you're probably tired and want to decompress from a day of recruiting and stuff. You got spring practice coming up here in March. Um, Tuesdays, fr- is it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays? Is that, am I thinking correctly there?
1: It is. Yeah. Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. We'll go in the morning. So it'll be morning practices for us. And then we'll typically scrimmage after that, that first Saturday. So the, the second Saturday comes, mm-hmm. we we'll get some scrimmaging.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, the spring game is actually going to be. A, a part of little 5 which i think is the 18th i think i have it down as i believe you're right
1: yeah thursday 18th
0: thursday, yeah. thursday the 18th and that whole weekend is the start of little 5 and we know what that environment is and uh, even back to the days when we were in school or i was in school um but um so you're but then even after that game i still think you've got like four or five practices left you know How's that going to be, you know, having a spring game where, where it's on the schedule and then knowing that you got a, th- a few more practices left? Did, did you do that same thing at JMU or is this just a new, you know, attempt at, you know, guarding the red and white to get into Memorial Stadium?
1: Yeah, well, that, that's kind of a new thing, but it is kind of
0: the way that the schedule laid itself out. Mm-hmm. what We thought we
1: had available day wise, and yeah, and then having a couple of extra practices can be a good thing. You never know what's going to what's going to happen in terms of like weather and things like that. We're halfway through a practice, right? And here comes lightning and thunder. Well, we have one banked, and then coaches real innovative about stuff like that. You know, we might have uh, two or three more practices left, and we go out in uh, shores for a nice extended walkthrough and a little you know slightly competitive stuff. Maybe we want to install uh, mm-hmm. a few more packages or work on two-minute short yardage. So he'll find ways to, to, to use the time that we have available. And I can't even tell you what that's going to be. I don't even think he knows yet. But he's going to get an eye on his football team, figure out strengths and weaknesses, and and we'll we'll, we'll plan an attack from there.
0: Well, I know this. Your quarterback room is going to be ultra-competitive. I've talked to two of them. i talked to Curtis O'Rourke and Tyler Cherry. And uh, the competition in that room is going to be – Un, uncomparable because there's a lot of talent in there, uh, including Brock Lowry, who's you know a kid that's still hanging around, and all of them can throw it. Let's just put it that way. Then you got a wide receiver room that's also ridiculous. You're gonna have fun this. You're gonna have some fun this spring. Uh, yeah, you're gonna it was fun for us and not them. <laughs> well, you know what? You tell DBs you gotta have a short memory. <laughs> But you've got that. You're you're in you, now. Are you all set with your 24 class? I mean, the recruiting you're doing now is more 25, 26, getting kids to campus. You know, whether it be a junior day or sometime later in the summer, is that kind of what you're doing now in your yeah. recruiting? The 24 class is very,
1: very close to being done. I okay. say that because you never know what's going to pop up. There's still some moving and shaking that could go down, and if a position of need. If there's a twenty-four out there in a position, I don't think we close the door on that. But yeah, what we're doing is we're looking at the, the, the following class: twenty-fives, twenty-sixes, young talent, uh, especially hammering the, the four-hour radius. So if you draw a circle, four hours, right. Bloomington, like let's make sure that we're on these guys early, and uh, we're we'll building relationships and uh, get them on campus because once they're on campus, you got a shot at them. You know, Bloomington's special that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's that's the battle getting them on campus. That's always the battle, and then the campus speaks for itself in that regard. Now, uh, there's still kind of a quasi signing date in February, correct? You know, yeah, is there, sure. That's kind of the end all be all date to the class of twenty four to really officially sign. In some, is that? Do you know when that is? Is that the is that the seventh fourteenth or
1: seventh this year? It's usually the first uh, you know full okay. Tuesday. Of
0: the okay. Month. Now, will you guys have something special for that day, or do you know yet?
1: I don't fully totally know, but I know that a lot of a lot of that class that you're speaking to, twenty four classes, is, is is signed tucked away, mm-hmm. and um. But you never know, you know. That's
0: the beauty of it. Right. Even though, even though I can say back in the good old days, we went right to February seventh. There was no fourth and one went a lot longer than it did in in this day's world, but. Well, I appreciate it, man. I know you're busy. and know that your your time is, you know, ultra valuable, sleep, getting rest. Uh, I forgot to ask this. is Are you are you, any significant others? Not you? at the moment.
1: Not at the moment. Okay. No, football is the significant other right now. Football
0: okay. Is- there I you go, burn. ladies. If you understand football. You there's a guy for you right there. It'd be fine gentleman to <laughs> They're gonna
1: be like, Wait, didn't he say he was on food stamps and had the bathroom folded in the living
0: <laughs> room? <laughs> oh hey man, I understand it. And uh I didn't know because we it kind of lost connection there, but uh I thought I'd better ask. Uh, in that regard but man I I'm, I'm so proud of you um and what you've done as a as a Ball State cardinal uh and then doing your your journey uh it it speaks to what this profession's about by earning where you're at and not being given something because you were at the right place at the right time not to you know You know, demonize that, but I know what you've gone through to get where you're at today. And that's the thing I'm proud about for you. Wish you the best. I hope I can get down there for, uh, maybe a spring, uh, practice. If you let me in, uh, Doors were always open for you, <laughs> I'll tell Signetti I had the I had the good eye first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Brian, man, I thank you for joining me. Uh I'm gonna send you off here, then uh I will come back and I'll say officially goodbye to you after I sign off of this segment of the Hoosier Football Tailgate. All right, my man. Awesome. Appreciate it, uh, Thanks, buddy. Well, that was Brian Haynes, do defense corner for the uh, coordinator for the Indiana Hoosiers going to be a fun bunch to watch in his philosophy defense I'm telling you he's got a high motor as a coach even I think you're going to be very very pleased with what you see on a Saturday afternoon thanks again to bet online remember bet online all things sports wagering up to minute odds things of the that make you a better sports wager uh, bet online is where the game starts we'll catch you next time on the Hoosier football gate tailgate but for now i'm the coach shannon griffith so long from hoosier football tailgate
1: hoosier football tailgate is sponsored by bet online bet online is where the
0: game starts